everybody, Kia Ora, and welcome to another episode of On Your Mark on the Barker Media Network. I'm your host, Chris Ferreira, and we have another awesome show in store for you today. Today, I'm joined with another reoccurring guest, Andrew Keough, and we're going to talk about one of our low-key favorite filmmakers, Taika Waititi. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm kind of tired, but I like that you said reoccurring guest. Yes, you're the first person. There will be more episodes. (laughs) You're the first person to now come back on the show. Everyone else has been brand new. Would you look at that? People enjoyed your takes on Pixar, so now they're going to want to know your takes on this filmmaker, Taika. Um, How are you surviving quarantine before we dive into Taika? Quarantine sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It really does suck. It sucks. I think, like... I thought I wouldn't mind working from home, but it, it kind of breaks up your day. But, like, I worked all day, and then I feel like I'm just going to go back to bed, wake up, work. And it's that. That's what sucks. Has it been weird, like, having these random breaks where it's like, oh, I'm at home versus just, like, on a break at work. I can go, actually, to my kitchen or go take a shower or go work out. No, yeah, I, I, I like that. Like, I've been taking showers on my lunch or I'll just go work out for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's nice, but I'm doing those things just to break up the day. Yeah, because there's, like, no real escape now to the day. Yeah, like, there's no... And I didn't mind it because last week I was driving into work and the drive was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was awesome because no one was on the freeway. So I liked it, but... You know, what can you do? We need to stay indoors. Exactly. Social distance. Let's flatten this curve. So, now, let's talk about Taika Waititi. One of our favorite filmmakers that uh, really has been in the conscious for the last just couple of years, at least for us. When was the first time you heard of Taika Waititi? I remember you coming back from New Zealand, and you said you had seen a movie and I was like, whatever, whatever, you know, international film, like, we'll see. <laughs> and that's when you put on What We Do in the Shadows, and I was pretty sold. Yep. Sure. I, I, so I had no idea who this guy was or any of his background until I went to New Zealand on a volunteer trip back in 2016 with nine other amazing people doing volunteer work in the South of New Zealand in Dunedin, where we worked on a penguin reserve for two weeks and then got to travel the country and do lots of awesome, amazing things in the country. And while I was down there, the house that we stayed in, our uh, guide on the tour, she introduced us to two of these native New Zealand films that I had not heard of or had no clue what they were. One was Boy and one was what we do in the shadows and i was literally you know on the floor laughing at what we do in the shadows and i was like who is this filmmaker and so when i got back from new zealand after my trip and showed you yeah. uh, the film we were both in stitches and we were like how have we not seen some of this because if you've never seen what we do in the shadows it it two of our, one of our favorite shows is the office yeah. and it like embodies that and it is just drop on the floor hilarious we'll talk more about it but that was kind of my introduction and then of course i was like who is this guy i gotta watch all his other stuff and then all of a sudden he's you know doing marvel movies and then he's we're finding out he's getting nominated for uh 
you know, Oscars, and now all of a sudden he is... He definitely uh, came out of left field. He's a known commodity now, but just three years ago, no one knew who he was. Yeah, I'd say he's probably one of the most sought-after talents in Hollywood right now. Oh, yeah. And now, having done some more background research on him, it's crazy to think that he actually doesn't even see himself as a filmmaker. He just sees himself more as an artist. His mother and father were... uh, painters and teachers yeah i love that about him yeah that he's an artist first that's kind of how i see myself like i'm not just an animator i'm an artist and that will always come first and that's how taika sees it's just a different medium to express himself yep so before we dive in we're going to talk about you know our favorite taika films and some of our favorite characters and quotes of him but before we dive in i want to give you guys a little bit of background if you don't know who taika waititi is Taika Waititi is 44 years old, and he was born in Wellington, New Zealand. He is a native Kiwi. He has done six films stretching over the past 13, 14 years. He is the top grossing filmmaker in New Zealand history, and he has been nominated for three Academy Awards, one back in 2004 for a short film that he did called Two Cars, One Night, which is a really nice short. It's on YouTube. You should check it out. And he was just nominated this past year for his uh, feature film, Jojo Rabbit, which was nominated for Best Picture, and he won for Best Adapted Screenplay. He also won the BAFTA for Jojo Rabbit for Best Adapted Screenplay. And he is just a really unique filmmaker. He loves to create authentic stories from his own personal background. He has come out and quoted that he says, most people should be telling stories that they know about and that they have some sort of background in. And he's a real big advocate for indigenous people and and for them to be able to have voices to tell their stories. In fact, he is the first indigenous filmmaker to win an Oscar. He's only the second indigenous person ever to win an Oscar behind Buffy St. Marie, She won an Oscar in 1982 for her best original song. But he's the first indigenous filmmaker to win an Oscar, which is amazing. He's uh, also some other facts about him. He is a key collaborator with Jermaine Clement, which is a friend of his who he met in college in Wellington. If you don't know who Jermaine Clement is, he is one of the main two for Flight of the Concords. Very, very well-renowned show. Taika also wrote uh, the initial script for Moana which is a fun fact, that they ended up taking and turning uh, it into the feature film. Taika also directs a lot of television, including The Mandalorian, which just premiered on Disney+. Plus. He directed the finale of it, and he acted in that, playing the IG-11 nursery uh, robot in it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, he just has a damn near perfect resume he only really has one blemish on his resume, which I'm not going to credit uh, discredit him for. He did Green Lantern with uh, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. but that was back when he was just acting. He's a small part in that movie. And uh, honestly, he has one of the most impressive four film stretches in film history. Once we talk about his films, his stretch from about 2014 to 2019 with the four films that he came out with. I feel like you could you could put that resume up against almost any filmmaker. Yeah, with the th- the four films that he came out with, and we're going to talk more in depth about him. But yeah, he's just he's starting to become a more well renowned 
name. You're starting to hear his name. If you watch the Oscars, you got to see him win this year. But he's really low-key. As we talked about, he's he sees of himself more as a painter than a filmmaker. In fact, there is an amazing quote, which uh, I'll just read to you right now, that he said, I never wanted to be a filmmaker. I still sometimes think I got sidetracked by this, like this is a tangent. My main thing was painting. I was just going to do that. Which is... I so yeah. amazing that he said that and then all this dude won an oscar and he doesn't even consider himself a filmmaker yeah. and, and you being an artist and a painter how does when you hear something like that what does that make you think i think he's just using a different type of canvas that's what it is to me he's mm-hmm. still painting and you know filmmaking is painting with light yeah so. same kind of thing just i remember i think listening to a ted talk of his where he talks about how it's just a different medium mm-hmm. and film just happened to ha- have so many, you know, creative things that can serve that creative outlet of writing, production, the colors you see on the screen. You know, it's just, it's a whole stage play. Hearing hearing that quote too and then having us just watched Eagle versus Shark and then you see like the use of stop motion and the yeah. use of all that you thing. You see it, especially being his first film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another little fun fact, taika in Maori, which is the culture in New Zealand, means tiger. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So that's a little background on the amazing individual, Taika Waititi. He's a hilar- hilarious guy. He has a lot of roots also in stand-up. And again, if you haven't seen any of his films, after we talk about them, I urge you to go and watch all of them because he's going to become one of your favorite filmmakers. So we're going to talk about our top five Favorite films. Again, he's only done six, so we couldn't do a top yeah. ten list. So we were like, okay, let's do a top five list. He's only done six. Um, we'll do a top five film, some of our favorite quotes. He famously plays a character in every one of his films. So we're going to talk about our favorite Taika Waititi character. And then we're also going to talk about our favorite just characters in general in his films. And uh, I'm super excited because I love this guy. You ready, Andrew? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let's start with number five. Top five favorite film, number five uh, for you, sir. For me, it's Eagle versus Shark. Eagle, That's Eagle versus Shark. His first film, which came out in 2007. I think being it being his introductory film, you could see he was playing with different things, seeing what he kind of liked, see what looked good on screen. And you see it how like the opening motion sequences were stop motion, which transitioned into live action, and then there was that quick apple in the water where me and you were both were like, "Is this stop motion?" Mm-hmm. And he's making these decisions, and you can tell they're a little rookie. Like he's he's still trying to find what works for him. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was an awesome film, and I think it really carried like New Zealand comedy. That's yeah. where like. I can see how what we do in the shadows was developed from him writing this type of what their comedy is like. He talks about the New Zealand comedy and their the way that they view things. It's a really dark comedy, yeah, and everything because and, that whole all, that entire script is just so crap. Not crass, like in the like you know disgusting and dirty way, but like everyone is so like just mean and negative to each yeah. other. But it's not. If you look at it from that point of view, you're going to be like, wow, these people are all jerks, but it's all meant for the laugh and the humor. Yeah, and there's like a patience to it. The way they say certain things and 
yeah, it you really transitions well all together as a film. Mm-hmm. Like with the, how the actors said everything and what also helped, I think most of these actors were, you know, citizens of New Zealand. Yep. And understood how, you know, this dialogue was meant to be said and that's another great thing about Taika is that he uses a lot of the same actors and a lot of them from his his network in New Zealand in a lot of his films, uh, whether it be Jermaine or whether it be um, several other people, including Rachel House, who shows up in a lot of his movies. Yeah, that was also one thing I liked, like seeing his entire film library that in this first movie of his, you know, here we are, what, 15 years later, he's still, you know casting his friends his or family at this yeah point. he hasn't and gotten it's awesome any... to see them grow in these roles with him yeah it's not like he's gotten bigger than them now that yeah. he's an academy award winner he's still just into his roots and everything which is why i think he's it's so he's such an awesome filmmaker um so eagle versus shark again not as critically acclaimed 55 percent on rotten tomatoes but it's the story of gordon and or not gordon sorry the story of lily and jared two kind of awkward wallflowers that yeah, kind of definite wallflowers that develop a friendship and a relationship together and she goes with him to meet his family and it's this weird altercation but you find out that they're these two kind of broken people that are there to help there's like this common theme in a lot of Taika's films where there's about like two lost souls that kind of find each other whether it be a man and a woman or two or like a uh, an uncle and a, a child or yeah just, there, just... there is mm-hmm. and I'll, i was trying to figure out why it was titled eagle versus shark and by the end it made sense mm-hmm. so eagle versus shark okay that's number five for andrew taika's first film actually another fun fact on that before we move on eagle versus shark wasn't his first film he wrote my number five which we're going to talk about next boy which is his second film to really okay. release in 2010 was actually the first film he ever wrote but when he found out he was going to get the green light to make a movie, he didn't think Boy would be something that would be good to start off with. So he wanted to write something lighter and maybe more uh, humorous. So mm-hmm. he wrote Eagle versus Shark. So it was technically the second thing he wrote, but he ha- he ended up making it He was first. like testing the waters with his... Exactly. I see. So number five for me is his second film, which came out in 2010, Boy, which he plays... The main, well, I wouldn't say the main character, but one of the main characters in it. The story is centered around a young New Zealand boy whose name is Boy, and the story of him kind of, you know, looking for comfort and looking for the fact that he doesn't know who his father is. And he has created this mystic, mythical image of who his father is. And he's this young kid in school with his younger brother. The mother had passed away in childbirth. And he's obsessed with Michael Jackson. And he nice. just wants to know who his dad is. And then Taika Waititi plays his father and shows up and just kind of shatters this kid's world and perception of who he thought his father was. And it finds out his father's actually this deadbeat who just is roaming, ar- yeah, roaming around with thugs and trying to find gold. and And it's... This really heartbreaking story of a father and a son who the father had abandoned, the son had thought so highly of him that he was out doing these adventures and always, and there's a lot of these like kind of animated sequences of the the stuff that he thought his father would be doing. And it's a really heartbreaking film. It was the first 
Taika Waititi film I saw, which was when I was in New Zealand. I watched this before I saw What We Do in the Shadows. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. it. Critics also enjoyed it. 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance for World Cinema. Um, a lot of his films get premiered at Sundance. And uh, again, it, it has a feeling... And this movie came out in 2010. Richard Linklater's film Boyhood, which oh. was nominated for Best Picture. Very similar feel okay. to it. Except this is about... Kind of has the New Zealand flair to it. And the New Zealand comedy to it and everything. So uh, a really, really good film. Uh, I don't know if the Michael Jackson stuff has aged so well because of what happened. Oh. So that's why I put it a little lower. But it's still, uh, if you're looking at it through the lens and the eyes of a child back in you know the 80s that was obsessed with Michael Jackson, it's innocent and everything. And the movie, I think, is just a really, really nice father-son story. And Taika plays a great, you know, kind of deadbeat father in the story so he's really good this was my first uh well his first real on-screen performance because taika shows up in eagle versus rock but he's really only in flashbacks yeah in yeah, pictures mm -hmm. so this was his first like full-on performance in it and stuff so that was my number five boy all right before we go further into the list now what we're going to do as i mentioned taika waititi plays a lot of characters in his films we're going to talk about our favorite taika waititi characters in his movies Here's some candidates. Again, he's played in almost every one of his films. So in Eagle vs. Shark, he plays the brother, Gordon, who mm -hmm. we only see kind of sparingly yeah. in flashbacks. In Boy, he plays Alamein, the deadbeat father. He's, an, he's, he's really funny, really heartfelt in it, really good performance by him. Green Lantern... Is his next performance. He plays Tom Kalamatu. <laughs> we can just skip over that. We're going to skip over that. I'm not even going to go into that. <laughs> then he has... Viago for what we do in the shadows mm -hmm. where he plays a 17th century dandy vampire and he is just if that description alone doesn't make you want to watch the movie i don't know what will <laughs> we're gonna talk more about what we do in the shadows but yeah it's it's an amazing character he's the lead leader of this household and uh, he's trying to corral and contain the other three vampires that live there collect rent and not, you know, obviously be burned by the sun right. and, and still just go by out his day. An amazing character. Another character he plays, the minister in Hunt for the Wilder People, where he uh, reads the eulogy for the ant. He's got a huge beard in that movie. Pretty small role. Super small role in it, but um, he's really funny. He has an awesome, funny monologue that he talks about Jesus and doors and stuff, mm -hmm. but super small role. Then, obviously, his another iconic character... Although not so much, maybe people know that A lot of people don't know who it's, it's him. Who it's him. But if you've seen any of the Avengers movies, especially Thor Ragnarok or Endgame, there is a rock character named Korg. He's the best. Which is Thor's, becomes almost like Thor's little sidekick with Meek. And uh, Taika Waititi, who directs the movie, does the voice of Korg. And he's a hilarious character. Um, and then he, he does a couple small ones, too. He, he's in an episode of Rick and Morty. He then does IG-11's voice in The Mandalorian, which he's really good in. And lastly, his most recent appearance, he plays Adolf, Adolf Hitler in Jojo, Jojo Rabbit, Rabbit, which uh, he plays Jojo's imaginary friend version of Adolf Hitler. So he's not the, you know... So you're telling me Adolf's nothing like that? <laughs> it's almost like the depiction of what Adolf Hitler is in the movie The Producers that, like, 
that that kind of depiction of Adolf. But he's hilarious as the imaginary friend version for Jojo as Adolf Hitler. So those are his t- type of characters. Who uh, who are your who's your favorite or top two or whatever? My favorite Taika that he plays mm-hmm. is it's Korg. Korg. <laughs> Korg was just. I mean, it made the movie for me. Like his whole sequence in that jail with with Thor. Hi, I'm Korg. I'm yeah. kind of the leader down here and everything. I'm made of rocks. Uh, you should be fine as, yeah, as long Korg as you're not made just... out of uh, paper, uh, scissors. It's and his little... description of the jail where he's like, it's like a crazy circle yeah. or, or something like it's, that. No, yeah, he goes, it's like a circle, but it's like a, more <laughs> yeah. like a freaky circle. <laughs> and like, the moment I heard that voice come on screen, because Taika's voice and the way he talks is just so iconic, I was just, oh... It was the best surprise. It's the like that New Zealand accent that they have where they always like say... Like Kiwi accent, right? Yeah, the Kiwi accent. Yeah, it's... Korg has got to be my favorite character that he plays. I love Korg. Viago is a close second. Mm-hmm. But I just think, for me, it was like the surprise of him playing this blue rock. And then at the end of Ragnarok where he's like worried about Meek. And he's like, oh no, yeah, Meek's alive. Like... <laughs> At the end, when he, he's always so polite to everybody while he's fighting, and he's just yeah. like, "Hey, bro, we're gonna get on that ship over there. You want to come with us?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the more more films you watch by him, that's just Taika being Taika. Like, oh yeah, and that New Zealand slang that he always brings into his film, it, it's just it's so good. I feel like he has more fun when he almost doesn't have to do the acting when he can just be that voice. Yeah, he can just oh god, he's so good at Korg. I bet. I wonder if he even had planned to actually play Korg or if he just said, you know, I'm just going to do the voice for this character and everything. He should always do that. He should all, yeah. He's so funny as Korg. So, okay, you're going with Korg. Man, mm-hmm. this is tough for me because I would go with Korg. Alamein's a really good one for a dramatic role, but obviously we see Taika more of these humorous roles. Uh, he was so funny as Adolf Hitler. Yeah. But I think I have to go with Viago. Yeah. Viago is like, I mean, it, once you watch when, what we do in the shadows, again, the other characters are so good too, and it, mm-hmm. all the vampires and everything are hilarious, but he is like the ringleader of them, and just because the other two vampires of Ladislav and Deacon are so like alpha male, it's mm-hmm. so funny that, that he's submissive. Yeah. And... <laughs> Just wants them to do the dishes. Yeah, he just, like, he doesn't act like a vampire, which makes him even funnier. And, like, yeah, the fact that he's just hounding them to make sure that they pay rent. And, and uh, when he goes down to talk to Peter, and it's just like, we're having a flat meeting in a couple minutes. If you could make it up here. And meanwhile, he's, like, got a dead body on the floor. And he's like, you know, maybe you could sweep clean up a up little, a clean up a bit and stuff. And then when he has the girl in the, that he's about and to eat. And he lays down the newspaper. lays down the newspaper and he's being all polite and then she's telling the story about how she's excited to go travel the world and then he gets sad because he knows he's going to eat her. <laughs> and just bites her midway. Yeah. So I have to go with Viago because I felt like it was like the first introduction of who Taika Waititi really was to me when I saw it in New Zealand. So Viago I just, when I see him, that's who I think of as Viago. Uh, all right, so there's lots of really good Taiku characters. We're going to continue on to our list. Now we're going into number four. Number four on your list, Andrew. What is number four? Hunt for the Wilder People. Ooh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. Hunt for great the Wilder film. Great film done in 2016. It was a follow-up to what we do in the shadows. 
again, he plays the minister character in it, but it is a, a story that centers around a young boy who is in child protective services who gets basically dumped at his aunt's house and basically runs away and goes on a giant adventure with his grumpy uncle played by Sam Neill and they go on this crazy absurd adventure. It's awesome. And I love that he's wearing like Bape and Air Force (laughs) in the jungle. Yeah, Ricky Baker. It it was uh it was the film that it was Julian Dennison's kind of breakout film. He plays Ricky Baker and you've probably seen him in Deadpool two as the villain. He's also gonna be in Godzilla vs. Kong coming out, but yeah, I think the how that movie works is that relate we talked about, you know, the relationship between like misfits or two mm-hmm. people that need to and- find each other. Sam Neill, who Sam Neill, if you I mean obviously Jurassic Park and the piano but Sam Neill as this grumpy ass old man who is just mad that his wife has passed away and doesn't even want to deal with this damn kid. But the mm-hmm. fact that they're like they're back and forth, yeah, it makes the film. And Ricky thinks he's a gangster. Yeah, and it's just hilarious. And and the fact that child protective services are leading like an army through right. the jungle yeah. to try to ch- like it's the most absurd thing. Once you get into the sec- second act of the film, you're like, wait. Wait, okay, it looks like a missing person case, but now there's an army and a militia after them, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden now we're having, there's tanks, and they're having like a huge, like, oh, it's just, it gets so absurd, but so, I don't know, it's just still so grounded yeah. because of their it friendship. Works. Yeah. Uh, that movie, 2016, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, his highest rated film. No and, way. Yeah. It premiered also at Sundance, and it was actually based on a book called. Wild Pork and the Watercress, which was a book that it got uh, adapted for. And, again, it's it's an, so, such a good film. All the haikus that uh, that Ricky Baker mm-hmm. comes up with. His, his dog, dog, Tupac. His dog, Tupac. His dog's name is Tupac. Yeah, because Ricky thinks he's a little gangster. And Sam Neill just keeps on telling him, you're not a bloody gangster. <laughs> I didn't choose the Skug's life. The Skug's <laughs> life chose me and everything. And it's just this... Amazing. I mean, just imagine a little, you know, random kid off the street who thinks he's the biggest thug in the world having to go on an adventure with your grandpa. That's basically the story. I mean, it's it's kind of like Up if the little boy was a jerk. That could have been even funnier. Yeah, you know? versus just being a Boy Scout. It kind of is like Up in mm-hmm. a way. So... Hunt for the Wilder People is Andrew's number four. I highly recommend everyone to go watch it. Again, it's a story of two people that are in stressful situations that need each other. Whether, you know, Sam Neill's character whose whose wife has passed away and now he's all alone versus Ricky who is an orphan. who needs just needs anything. Anything. Really. Yeah. Um, good choice. Number four for me is going to be Thor Ragnarok. Uh put it a little lower again again you can't go wrong with these any of these top these fives. four these these top five films especially these top four that i feel like we're just going to shuffle around between me and you like i said we're we'll talk about it at the end but just the stretch that he does with these films anyone you could shuffle any of these around but my personal preference thor ragnarok 2017 93 percent on rotten tomatoes his largest financial success of almost 900 million dollars wow and it started with him actually directing the short. There was a Team Thor short where mm-hmm. it was like Thor 
who was working with a coworker named Daryl. Taika actually directed that short, and then he was given the because Taika didn't do Thor or Thor one or Thor two. He only got to do the third one. So, but they they let him direct the short, and because of how funny the short was, they gave him yeah, Ragnarok. which was a great decision because I remember seeing those shorts. And they had me dying. Yeah. I loved them. <laughs> and I was just, it was so fresh. Like, I'd never seen Marvel do anything like that. Especially mm-hmm. with Thor, you know, after Dark World. Well, yeah, Thor Dark <clears throat> World, I, in my opinion, one of the worst of the MCU films. Yeah, so. And Thor had, Thor was, you know, like this iconic character in the comics and in, like, the video games. And then after Thor 1 and 2, even though Hemsworth does a really good job with the character... I was just like, I don't really care about Thor. Yeah. Until so I was kind of like, whatever. And then I saw that that short, the Australian thing. It was just gold. And I was like, okay, maybe I am on board for another Thor. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this. I was not ready when I walked into the theater to watch Ragnarok for what I was about to see. Oh, me neither. Because I was expecting to see just another, you know, Thor, just whatever. Just, okay, we're just going to continue the yeah. storyline. But we knew Taika had directed it. Mm-hmm. So there was so hope. There was, yeah, expectations, hope, and I will say he definitely delivered. One hundred percent. With the you know, the first Marvel movie to have all those colors real like to me the two Mar- Marvel MCU films that like differ from the mold a little bit than the others are Guardians of the Galaxy and Ragnarok. Yeah. Because they have that soundtrack, they have all the colors. It was a great cast. I mean, you had Tessa Thompson. You had Jeff Goldblum. They brought back Tom Hingelstead for Loki. You got Hemsworth and Ruffalo because you had the Thor-Hulk thing going on. I mean, just Hulk being on that planet because he had gone missing and then them fighting. That's such an amazing scene. Um, The soundtrack's amazing. Again, we already mentioned Korg. Korg is brilliant. (laughs) He plays the character of Korg in the movie. And uh, again, to me... Ragnarok is, again, 23 or 24 MCU films. Ragnarok is one of the top five. I oh, think, I, yeah, I MCU think Ragnarok films. is one of my top five MCU films. I just loved it. Was, it was a fresh take because it felt like a lot. And, and I, of course, I love MCU. I'm not going to shit on those movies. But I thought it was a nice, fresh look at the way that the, they had been doing the superhero yeah. movies. So I really liked uh, Thor Ragnarok. So I put it at four. Cool. All right. Before we get into our top three, we're going to list off some of our favorite Taika quotes. Uh, Taika quotes maybe from his characters or from other characters in his movies and stuff. Uh, you want me to list off some or do you want to go? Um, How many do you have? I have one or two. Okay, I have a bunch, so let me list off a couple and then I'll let you get to yours. So, a couple really good ones. In... Uh, <laughs> what we do with the shadows when they find out the vampires can go shopping on the uh computer vladislav's like leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet and and taika's character is like what are you bidding on and he's like i'm bidding on a table <laughs> <laughs> do you expect them to just be oh, like <laughs> I, it's, it's I, diverting but the that part where they're like google the sun yeah <laughs> Or when he texts, he's, t- he's showing him how to use a smartphone, and then he texts him, there's a crucifix behind you, and he, Deacon freaks the fuck out. Um, so that's one of my favorite ones. Uh, uh, another one from, again, from Hunt for the Wilder People, the, the story that Taika's character as the minister tells about the door and on, the auntie's funeral, about going through these doors and 
who do you find on the other side of the doors? And one of the people in there is like, Jesus? And he's like, you'd think Jesus, but it's not <laughs> Jesus and everything. He's like, it's another door. And what do you think's on the other side of that door? And the person is like, Jesus? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's Jesus. And he's like, he's tricky that way, Jesus. You think he's behind one door, but he's behind another. <laughs> Um, what's one that you have? <laughs> um, it's, um, when they find out about the witch hunters and... Oh, yeah. Viago's like, uh, he's talking about the witch hunters and he's like, but we gotta worry about the Christians, which is totally the last thing we need right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they're coming into the house. Yeah. Don't let any Christians come in here. I have another really funny one from, uh, two more from that movie that are really funny. Uh... Deacon, when he's sitting there doing his monologue on the couch, and he's like, he tells his story about how he became a vampire, and then he's like, when you turn into a vampire, you become sexy. And he's just <laughs> and he's like, sitting on, the couch. <laughs> sitting on the couch, gesturing to himself, yeah. and this guy just looks not sexy at all. Another great one. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah, werewolves, yeah. not swearwolves. Oh, when they confront the, uh, the werewolves in there. Another really funny one. Oh, this one might be my favorite one from the movie uh when vladislav's talking about why they love to eat virgins <laughs> and he goes let me put it this way if you were going to eat a sandwich you would just enjoy it a lot more if you knew nobody had fucked it <laughs> and it makes so much sense it does make sense i would not want to eat a sandwich if i knew someone had sex with it <laughs> oh um, you have another one? I have a couple um, more, too. <laughs> I have one from uh, Jojo Rabbit, where Yorkie's talking to... What's this? Jojo. And he's like, it's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> While they're in uniform, form. holding weapons. like. <laughs> and Yorkie and Jojo are two like Hitler youth little children. And it's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi right now. While, while basically the Third Reich is falling apart. Yeah. And everything. Um... Again, that's a great one. I have another one from Yorkie. Uh, do you have the one that he talks about the dogs and the Russians? <laughs> I, I have mean... that one. There are bigger things to worry about than Jews, Jojo. There's Russians somewhere out there. They're worse than anyone. I heard that eat babies and have sex with dogs. I mean, that's like bad, right? We have to stop them before they eat us and screw all of our dogs. It's crazy. <laughs> I love Yorkie. Um... And, and a couple chord quotes. We mentioned some of them, but already this thing here is a circle, not like a real circle, more like a freaky circle. Or uh, when he's talking about Doug, he's like, you remind me of Doug. And, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and Thor's running around and he's like, that's exactly what Doug used to say. <laughs> See you later, new Doug. And Doug's over there dead on the floor. <laughs> um, Korg's just introduction. My name's Korg. I'm kind of the leader down here. I tried to start a revolution but didn't print enough pamphlets so hardly anyone showed up except for my mum and her boyfriend, who I hate. As punishment, I was forced to be in here and become a gladiator. Bit of a promotional disaster, that one. But I'm actually organizing another revolution. I don't know if you'd be interested in something like that. You would reckon you'd be interested? <laughs> Trying to recruit Thor is just... Thor's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um... Oh, so good. I one last one I have for uh, I didn't for <laughs> what we do, what we do in the wilder people, uh, hunt for the wilder people when uh, Ricky Baker and Heck are trapped in that cabin and they find the wanted poster. The fact that they're mm -hmm. like wanted, he kidnapped Ricky and Ricky's reading it and <laughs> and it goes, Faulkner is Caucasian. 
And he's like, well, they got that wrong because you're obviously white. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then Hex like, what do they think I'm? They think I'm a, a kidnapper. And then Ricky's like, and they think you're Asian. <laughs> so One more. The the scene in Jojo Rabbit where Yorkie's like, and the Japanese are our only allies. And to me, they don't look very Aryan. Yeah, the Japanese don't look very Aryan. right? Just picking holes all the way through <laughs> Hitler's plan and everything. But all of them are like, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're our allies. So funny. Last one. It's not a quote. Uh, from a movie but just from Taika himself that he talked about filmmaking I loved it he said uh, a film set should be like a family except that you all like each other actually yeah <laughs> which is so funny um, so those are some of our favorite quotes again if you just turn on what we do in the shadows or that entire movie is quotable that entire movie is quotable even Jojo Rabbit has a lot of amazing quotes mm-hmm. and same with Hunt with For the Wilder People uh, he is it's even more impressive to know that Taika writes all of his scripts. Yeah. So he doesn't just direct movies. He writes every one of his scripts, and the man is just, he's a genius, and he's brilliant, and he's funny as hell. So moving on to our list. Now those are our quotes. We're going to mm-hmm. jump in. Now we're in the top three of our films. Top three. Yeah. You want to go with number three? I have Ragnarok at three, which Ooh, you nice. had at four. Yep. So. We talked about Ragnarok and everything, but uh, and you mentioned it. You want to just say like one or two things about it? I mean, what I loved about it was, like, <clears throat> the color palette that Taika had chose for it mm-hmm. was awesome. Like, it was colorful, and it reminded you of Guardians and how they did, but he used a completely opposite color palette, like neons and those neon greens, the purples, the pinks. And while Guardian was colorful, but it was a very warm palette. Yeah. So I thought that was great, and the way he wrote his dialogue... I mean, Ragnarok, it's definitely one, I think, probably one of my favorite MCU movies. 100%. Which is a surprise, because I never thought I'd be a big fan of Thor movies. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm glad he decided to direct this movie. Yeah. Because, like, taking that step from doing, you know, Boy, Eagle versus Shark, these comedy movies, to make that jump to Hollywood blockbuster, VFX, yep. you know, that's a huge leap to make, and... I'm glad he took it on and decided to do it and not, you know, like, I'm going to stay with these darker comedies. But he embraced it, and he I think he fused those two worlds very well. Yeah, he and, had he talks about that he was, like, skeptical to go into the Hollywood machine because he felt like yeah. it would suppress his creativity in the fact that he gets to do with his indie films. But Marvel, I guess, assured him that you would have the freedom to... Mm-hmm. do what which you do best which is very rare mm-hmm. especially with these Hollywood blockbusters most directors get brought in to just you're just running the show you're not making any creative decisions yep everything's been pre-decided and you're just running it along mm-hmm. you know sad to say that about Hollywood some Hollywood movies but you know that the pace we're throwing these movies out yeah you know, it's crazy. Another thing about Ragnarok or just the Thor character in general and to relate it to Taika he with the success of Ragnarok, you know, they didn't just say, okay, you're done making Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. They brought Taika in to... Like their brain trust. Their, of... Yeah, so when they were making Endgame and Infinity mm-hmm. Wars, he was basically the main thought process behind what Thor was. So for all the people when you saw Endgame and you loved that Thor was fat, that was a lot of what Taika probably yeah. suggested to them. 
And yeah. <laughs> so I mean, good. Thor has now become one of my favorite Marvel characters. I mean, just such a flip from the first two when Especially it's just like, like eh. in Endgame when you finally meet Thor and he's sitting on the couch playing what Fortnite. Yeah, he's playing Fortnite Korg. with Korg and Meek, and he's talking shit to people on the yeah. headset and other. Like, that has Taika written all over it. Oh yeah, great. So that was Thor for you, number three. Uh, my number three is Jojo Rabbit. What I know, it's so okay. I have to explain why it's a little lower on mine, but I we just recently watched Jojo Rabbit like three weeks ago, uh, and man, I was almost like weeping at the end of it. A movie about Hitler youth in the 40s and hiding away uh, a Jewish girl in the home, and the movie, again, is just this satirical uh, anti-hate comedy but by the end of the movie, I was just like, this is what I put in my notes. I said, put David Bowie at the end of every movie and I will absolutely love it and right. probably cry. Like, I love the end of that movie, the transformation of the character of Jojo. I'm going to let you talk about it more because I know it's higher on your list. But the the way that uh, Taika has been obsessed apparently with just Nazis in general, because even in in what we do in the shadows, he doesn't Deacon tell a story about how he was recruited by the Nazis mm-hmm. to be a Nazi vampire. Yeah, it's not good to be a Nazi and not yeah. good to be a Nazi vampire. <laughs> and Taika has always said like he wanted to tell a story about not only Adolf Hitler, but that there were good people in that time right. that were just under horrible like, circumstances. Like Sam Rockwell's character. Yeah. He was a Nazi, but... Or uh, Scarlett Johansson's mm-hmm. character and everything, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was, you know, when I was watching it, I was thinking about how, oh, I mean, I have it at number two, so I think it's fine, too. Yeah, you can talk about um, it. You learn that JoJo's parents are, you know, they're not, you know, they're against the whole Nazi movement. Mm-hmm. But they can't say that to their son, because his son, their son goes to all these Nazi things, because it's part of their culture. Yeah, their son's it's a Hitler their school, youth. And... If their son says, like, hey, my parents said this, they're they're dead. Yeah. So they have to have this facade of let their kid be influenced by all this Nazi propaganda. propaganda and they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's terrible. So when he finds out that his dad was a sympathizer and was against the movement, it was just, you know, to think one way because your parents had to hide it from you to make sure they're safe and you're safe. I that was crazy to and, think about. And I love how the story unfolds with the fact that, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character doesn't really isn't just like, okay, Jojo, we're housing a Jewish girl here. We have to, you know, pretend to mm-hmm. that we're not. I love that Jojo finds out on his own spoiler if you haven't seen the movie by the way. But I love that the relationship that Jojo and um Elsa the little girl, mm-hmm. the relationship that they come, and then the genuine transformation that Jojo has on his own yeah, by the friendship of him and Elsa. Mm-hmm. And then you can see the fact that he uh, is starting to realize what he's been learning. Yeah, and, it's and all... It's all wrong and everything. So I love that take of it, that it was these two children that taught each other... Um, and then you add on to the fact, I mean, all of that would just be a great film in itself. And then you add on to the fact that that Jojo, this little boy who's, uh, who, you know, isn't the toughest kid, has a imaginary friend. And the imaginary mm-hmm. friend is 
Adolf yeah. Hitler, played by Taika Waititi. Yeah, when he first enters the scene, it's like a pan up, and you immediately see his blue eyes. It's just so shocking. <laughs> that scene when he tells Jojo to just embrace being the rabbit, because they're making fun of Jojo. They call him a rabbit because he won't kill those rabbits mm-hmm. at the beginning. And so they use it as a, uh, you know, a diss against him. And, and Hitler basically tells him, like, own the rabbit. Be the rabbit, then they can't hurt you. And then that scene when Jojo's sprinting and, and, and Adolf's running Dead with them and everything. Yeah. By the way, I forgot to do a quote, and I'm going to say it now because we're talking about the movie, and it's Adolf. <laughs> and if you've seen the trailer, you already know the quote, but it's when Adolf goes, Let me say what, let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, look at this guy. He's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's going to get us all killed. Yeah. And then he just gestures like they're crazy. Shrug. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that he constantly offers JoJo cigarettes until JoJo's like, I'm 10. And Adolf is like, well, I'm stressed out. Yeah. <laughs> and even as the movie progresses, Adolf gets more and more just unhinged. Because mm-hmm. you can see as the war is progressing, the more and more the imaginary friend of Adolf is, is unhinging and everything. It's his most successful at least award season film. It was nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture, and it won one Best Adapted Screenplay, Taika winning his first Academy Award, based off a book called Caging Caging Skies. And, uh... Yeah. Taika... I can see why it was nominated for all those. I was expecting just kind of this comedy, but there are moments in this movie where I was like, wow. Like, yeah, just... I think we were all floored when we saw these scenes. And the fact that the ambition it takes to take on a character like Adolf Hitler, not just to play it, but to tell an entire story centered around it and and have it be heartfelt as well as funny. Like, most people would be like, yo, Hitler, I'm not touching that subject. Yeah. Like, that's going to literally get me blackballed if I do it wrong. And he managed to make it a wildly successful Mm -hmm. comedic movie about it and yeah. what i love is i'm picturing like i can picture him on set directing all these people dressed as hitler oh god he's, like, he's told several stories where he said he would be like standing on the other side of a bridge or something he'd be screaming at the crew on the other side and like the regular people in town must have thought like this psychopath dressed up as hitler yelling at people <laughs> who be, definitely doesn't look Aryan. yeah crazy what's crazy is 80 percent on rotten tomatoes it's his lowest of these four films and it got the most Oscar buzz. I think it was his boldest mm-hmm. film. And I, I love that he did that. Like When I heard he was playing Adolf, I was like, what in the world? But I was like, if any director's going to tackle doing a comedic Hitler movie, it's Taika. Taika. All right, so that is uh, my number three. That was my number two. Number two. So, yeah. Uh, before we go into our top two, um, we're going to now announce our favorite non-Taika characters in his film. So this includes every character that has ever appeared. You want to include Thor. You want to include Hulk. You want to include any of the vampires. You want to include any of the Nazis. All these people are in his films. Who are uh, some of your favorites, Andrew? One of my favorites, Mm -hmm. and I think it could be cinematic favorites of all time, actually, mm-hmm. is Yorkie from Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I thought his character... I've just never fallen in love with a character so fast in my life before. Just the way Archie Yates says every line, it's gold. And I just love Yorkie so much. 
he is amazing. Archie Yates, this was his first movie. Yeah, and he's like, what, 10 or something? Yeah, he plays JoJo's Hitler youth friend, sidekick, and he shows up. I honestly think he should have been in the movie more. Yeah. Uh, he's absolutely hilarious. The way he says his lines, he's just this little chubby boy with glasses who is, just like JoJo, going along with what the Nazis are yeah. saying. and. And oh, his insight on things—it's so crazy. Oh, good for you, Jojo. He's always so positive. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm gonna go home, see my mom. I need a cuddle." Yeah, like, <laughs> I need a cuddle. Meanwhile, there's like grenades going off, and yeah, when he's running with the grenade launcher with the other uh, kid, and Jojo's like, "Hey, Yorkie," and he's like, "Oh, hi, Jojo." He drops the freaking grenade launcher and it explodes into a building. Um. He's such a freaking good I love character. Yorkie. Yorkie is so good. Um, that entire cast, I'll rattle off a couple people from that cast. Just Roman Griffith Davis playing JoJo. Such a real he's another one of the kids doing one mm -hmm. of his first movies. So good. Even Thomason McKenzie, the little girl playing Elsa as the little uh, Jewish yeah. girl on the wall. She's Brilliant. so good. And of course, Scarlett Johansson playing Rosie, playing having to the weight of that character playing uh a mom pretending to be a Nazi sympathizer while her husband is overseas doing, uh, trying to mm -hmm. take down the war effort. She even has a scene where she's playing the husband, right? Where she, and everything in it. She gets nominated for an Academy Award in this movie. She's great. The duo of Sam Rockwell and Alfie Allen, both Captain Klenzendorf and Finkel. And Alf I love them too. Sam Rockwell playing the leader, uh, basically like the, the school teacher for the Hitler youth. Like the troop leader type uh, of thing. It, it did have a feel, a troop leader feel kind like of like Moonrise. like Moonrise Kingdom with the way that the, the kids were being treated. Sam Rockwell's so good. And then, then I, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it, but just his kind of arc mm -hmm. with his character is so good. Um, so those are great characters. Again, any of the characters in, in Thor, you have Thor, Chris Hemsworth, Loki, Tom Hiddleston, Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Tessa Thompson playing Valkyrie. She's so good. Who I, Loki, thinks steals that movie. Uh, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster. He's Jeff so Goldblum. good in that movie. Um, rattle off a couple more. Lauren Taylor and Jermaine Clement, his really good friend, playing Lily and Jared in uh, Eagle vs. Shark. Vladislav Deacon, Peter, playing the other three vampires. Uh, Jermaine McClant, Johnny Brew, and uh, Ben Fronson, three New Zealanders, also in that movie. Freaking hilarious. Stu, played by Stu Rutherford, which is mm -hmm. the random white uh, analyst who befriends the... Stu. <laughs> befriends the vampires. Another character I liked was in Eagle vs. Shark, Damon, the brother. I thought he was hilarious. He's hilarious, and he shows up in a bunch of the movies yeah. that he does and everything. Um, Ricky Baker, as Julian Dennison, and Heck, Sam Neill. Again, mm -hmm. so many like unique characters. Uh, oh, man, to pick one was was yours, Yorkie. Yorkie, yeah. I mean, yeah. you could ask me like what my favorite character of the last ten years is. <laughs> I'm gonna say Yorkie. Yorkie. <laughs> I'm gonna have to say this is so tough, man. Because of the way I've created my list, I want to say, man, it's right now between. Vladislav, or I love Ricky Baker. Ricky Baker is good. I really like Ricky Baker, and I love just like his backstory of being this like punk kid, but really he's not a punk kid. He's just never had someone to love him mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, again, a lot of these characters, like the 
I mean, I could cheat and say Hulk because I freaking love Hulk or Loki. Loki's a freaking like cop out answer too because yeah. Loki's so I think good. If, you know, you have to leave almost the Marvel characters out because they're their own thing. They're not his like specific creations. Um, I'm gonna go. Okay, I just justified myself. I'm gonna go with Vladislav because that was him and Jermaine Clement's like creation, right? Their baby. That that vampire movie. And Vladislav is pretty awesome. It's such a funny character. He's like the older uh, vampire who's like into <laughs> torturing people <Right>. and <laughs> and his uh, his rivalry with the beast, the beast yeah. and everything, and just all of his lines. Again, he has a lot of great lines in there, and he's and it's Jermaine Clement. If you've seen Flight of the Concords or any of those, like he just absolutely on par with every one of those vampires, but basically steals that movie. So I'm going to go with Vladislav. The only reason this is Ricky Baker was created probably by whoever wrote that book that he adapted. <laughs> so I went away with Ricky. All right. Those are our favorite uh, characters. Now we're into our top two. You already mentioned your number two. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Amazing choice. My number two, you already mentioned, but Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, number two for me, I... Uh, you really do love Hunt for the Wilder People. I, I mean, I like the movie. But you, you love the movie. I love that movie because I first saw it. So it premiered in 2016. Uh, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's tied with, uh, again, like we said, it's his highest ranked film. I saw it on the plane coming back from New Zealand. Again, I went to New Zealand in 2016. That movie had just come out in 2016 when I was there. I had seen Boy and I'd seen uh, What We Do in the Shadows. On my flight back on Air New Zealand... They had Hunt for the Wilder People. And because I had just seen two of his films, I was like, oh my God, he has another movie? And so like, I immediately played it. I played that movie twice on the airplane yeah. back. And then you came home, and I feel like that was the first thing we watched. Yeah, so I think I saw it like three times in that first, yeah. three or four times in that first couple days of seeing it. It was so good. I was floored. And I, I didn't think anything could... I was like, dude, this guy had just created this vampire parody. Like, there's nothing else he could create that would be on par with that. And when I saw Hunt for the Wilder People, and just like we had mentioned before, the relationship between Sam Neill, Julian Dennison, the unique creativity of that story, I was just like floored and in love with it. Yeah. So that's why it's number two for me. We already talked a lot about it, but I just, I really, I don't know. I don't know who I relate with more in that movie. Do I relate with Heck as, you know, like kind of this loner who wants to wander around and stuff? Or do you relate more with just this bad boy kid. I think you relate younger. to both at different moments of the film. Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning you feel for Ricky Baker and you're like, heck's just a jerk. Yep. And then by the end you see his flaws and you see why he is the way he is. Mm -hmm. And you know, you realize they both just need each other. Yep. All right. We're both at number one and the way our lists have shaked out. I'm it's pretty like... sure we both know what one <laughs> we is. We both have the same number one on here. Mm -hmm. uh, number one for both of us is... What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. Easy. Easily. I just made a top ten movies of the decade list. This was my number one movie of the decade. Yeah, it, it it's up there for me. This one, like Yeah. It, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. If you're a fan of The Office or if you're a fan of anything with improv, mockumentary yeah. style... This movie is... If I had to recommend a movie to someone, I would probably recommend this movie every time. I mean, how many times did we watch it that first year when I came back? We had... A lot. And because every October, we had this movie on, like, repeat, essentially. Yeah, because it's a perfect Halloween movie because it's about vampires. But I swear, every one of our friends that would come over were like, have you seen this movie? Oh, you haven't? Okay, sit down. We're going to watch it. 
and they instantly fall in love, and then they go on their own Taika binge. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like, what we do in the shadows is just... I remember seeing it the first time, and it was just, oh, my God. Like, why hasn't anyone ever made anything like this before? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so... It was made in 2014. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes is tied for and, Hunt well, for the It took us people. two years to see it? Yeah. And... It was inspired by a short film that Taika and Jermaine wrote back in 2005 of the same title, What We Do in the Shadows, Interviews with Vampires. And so think of The Office. It is a mockumentary style of four vampires living in a flat in New Zealand together and just basically their day-to-day lives. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And the shenanigans they get into, the stuff, the way that they use like vampire lore in the mm-hmm. sense that like they can't see their own shadows. So just <laughs> the struggle of getting dressed and, right. <laughs> and putting on clothes is hard because you can't see yourself in the mirror. And then like we had mentioned, just cleaning, not wanting to do dishes, not wanting to clean the apartment, the fact that they can fly. The effects in this movie for for like it being a low budget independent right. New Zealand film, the fact that they're flying around the house, they turn into bats. It's awesome. Like they interact with werewolves at one night yeah. and everything. Which and now it's a TV show on FX that Taika is a part of. He mm-hmm. directed the first episode, and he's in a couple episodes towards the end of the first season, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's it, that's how successful it was. It went from a short to a feature to now has been. Sp- spawned into an fx original series uh, and season two is coming out in like two or three weeks and the cast is uh again it is largely improvised the script and it is just i i i cannot like you said if there's a movie to recommend i don't know if anybody has seen it and been like no that was a waste of an hour and a half yeah i can't be friends with that person exactly it's the funniest movie that he's done all the characters are unique and uh, again, if you like mockumentary style, if you just like comedy and improv, and if you like vampires and zombies and, and werewolves, it's not scarier at all. You know, it's no, just it's completely just it's a slam dunk. So it is. I knew there was going to be on both of ours at the top. Yeah, no, I knew. Damn, <laughs> it's got to be one. There's no argument about it. Yeah. And if you had, had put it at two, I'd be like, I don't even know you. Yeah, you're not my friend anymore. <laughs> um. Amazing that he wrote it in 2005. And Do it, you think he could make anything better? I don't know if he can. I think this is his, like, that's his masterpiece, I think. And I think he, he knows it and he's proud of it. Well, yeah, because like he, it, yeah. it was one of the first ideas he had, too. I mean, I don't know how many of my friends in the industry that, like, have worked on a script. Like, just this film is an inspiration for people that, you know, work on something and think, oh, I've been working on this for, like, three, four years and nothing's coming out of it. This dude worked on this script in the early 2000s, wrote a short with his really good friend from college, who then was also doing stuff for Flight of the Concords. He put it on the back burner for almost a decade, nine years, and then it turned into a feature. And then five years after that, a TV show. Yeah. So it's like an inspiration that, that, uh, and just how simple. Yeah, and it just sat there in his closet or his computer for 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And just... Again, when you watch it, you're like you had already mentioned, you watch it and you're like, how the hell did I not write this? Yeah. Or how the hell did anyone not write this? Because it's just the simplest little like jokes and one-liners about vampires, and it is just gold. Mm-hmm. So I could talk about this movie for another hour, but uh, again, it's... We our, honestly could. It's our number one movie. Everyone go check out What We Do in the Shadows. It's Taika's and masterpiece. And I think it's very high on both of our all-time lists. Yeah. Like, definitely top five. Mm-hmm. 
it's such an amazing movie. And if you want to laugh and uh, and get introduced to Taika Waititi, I would re- I would recommend this being the first film of his to watch, and then you'll be stuck and you'll go down the rabbit yeah. hole of everything. Um, so that's gonna wrap up our list. Uh, again, he's only done six films, so we're we're expecting a lot of other great things coming from Taika. In fact, he has a couple of really big projects in the pipeline. That's how this dude has just he's like batting a thousand. Literally every film he has done has reaped the rewards. None of his movies have lost money, whether it just yeah. be like a simple low budget film that exceeded all the way to the fact that Thor Ragnarok exceeded its budget by almost um, you know, a billion times. dollars. Yeah, three times its amount. So everyone in Hollywood wants Taika to make something. He's got Thor Love and Thunder in the pipeline. He has uh, Akira, which is a... Uh, Comic Probably or a anime? acclaimed anime of all yeah. time. I think one of the most acclaimed TV shows or movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And this is where I don't think anyone should redo Akira. So I'm hoping he doesn't do it mm-hmm. only because Akira is a masterpiece. It's like asking someone to redo what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Just don't. Don't touch it. Which is why, like, even you, you you have been watching the TV show What We Do in the Shadows, and I won't watch it. Yeah. Because I don't want to touch it and have mm-hmm. it taint the perfection of the show. I like the show. Even it's though definitely it's... not as good, of course. Mm-hmm. But, like, they keep the same music, the same intro. Taika shows up every now and then. And there is an episode where celebrity after celebrity is part of, like, their, their vampire circle, and it's just hilarious. I want to watch but, it, but I don't want to. As, it. as Akira, like I don't think anyone should redo it. Like mm-hmm. no one. I don't care who you are. Leave Akira alone. Do you have faith in Taika? Oh, I will definitely watch it, and I just don't think it's not one of those movies that can be redone. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what you do, yeah, it will not. Pay homage to what Akira is. It's like trying to redo Jurassic Park. Yeah, no, you you just mm-hmm. don't. Even though I know Akira is a cartoon, and they want to make it into a live action, like Ghost in the Shell, which is another acclaimed anime, mm-hmm. and look how badly it bombed. Yeah, I and mean, I just don't think people want to see it. I mean, I I have, and there's probably a reason why it got delayed. I mean, not to mention what's happening in the world right now, but they've been having production like delays on it, and it's probably because they know like. How big of the, a deal this thing is going to yeah, be. Yeah, you have to tread lightly when it comes to Akira mm-hmm. because... And he also has... Again, he just got done doing the finale of The Mandalorian. And he's been signed on for an untitled Star Wars project in the future. Yeah, they just do anything. Let him do anything with Star Wars. I'm totally yeah. down for it. And he also just recently was in the news for a couple... Ron Dahl's Willy Wonka projects where he's doing yes. a TV show about Willy Wonka and then the Oopa Loopas and stuff. So he's I, got a little... I can't wait to see what he how he meshes his brand of New Zealand comedy with the Oopa Loopas. That is my main thing is like I don't want and I know Taika won't, but I don't want him to get stuck in the Hollywood machine. I want him to keep making his movies. Yeah. And and, and even if he's making Hollywood movies, make them like a Taika movie. Mm-hmm. Cuz his unique voice is unlike almost anything in Hollywood right now yeah so thanks andrew for coming on uh again we love taika waititi and we hope you guys dive in again he's only has six films you can knock that out over a weekend right now while you're quarantined especially now (laughs) right now um check out all of his amazing stuff check out his tv shows you won't be disappointed um this is another episode of on your mark we thank you guys so much for stopping by and in traditional 
New Zealand fashion, we will uh, end this with a kia ora, which is, you can Google if you don't know what that means. Or sweet as. Or sweet as, yeah. Check out our New Zealanders have the best dialogue. Yeah, they really do. All right, guys, have a great one. Thanks so much for stopping by.